Good morning, Christy. So good to see you. We're both wearing red. I, you have a Texas Tech shirt on. Well, yeah, because it's what we have, one of the things we have in common. Yes, it is. It is. We both graduated from Texas Tech. And what was I your agree. degree? In? My degree was in business, just plain with a marketing minor, no, you know, that kind of thing. I was in the business school. You were ag, correct? Yes, I was agricultural communications. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yes, I, I can see you doing very well at that. Well, thanks. Yeah, they used to say that um, agcom be a mom. I think I've heard my son say that. But did you still enjoy walking in front of the ag school and those darling cowboys? It just made me so happy to walk <laughs> by those darling cowboys. Some of them were a little punchy is the word I hear my boys say sometimes. But most of them you could tell were just the real deal. Right, right. Exactly right. We had great people. and. Uh, I had fond memories from then. So, yeah. And then, and then, so after you went to, let's go back a step. Did you okay. go Pringle or where did you grow up at? You graduated. Yes. I yes, did some sleeping on you. Okay. <laughs> I am a country Texas panhandle girl. Um, grew up on a farm ranch feedlot. Um, went to a little tiny grade school about like your Kim or your whatever area. And um, that's more La Junta, I think, not your area so much. That's okay. But we, we, we bank yeah. over there. We know yeah, a lot we, of Yeah, we had family from all that area. So I know just a little country school, went to the Big Spearman High School, and then went on to Texas Tech. Okay, gotcha. And then you got married after college, obviously, right? And then you guys right. went to Chita Falls first? Or where did you we, go? We were in Dallas for a few years, for just a couple of years, and then in Archer City, Archer, where Hunter ran a funeral home, and then we, let's see, 1990, we married in 85, and 1990 is when we moved to Guymon, Oklahoma, became Okies, and bought a funeral home there. Okay. So I married the business and the calling. Okay. And then you just recently moved to Midland. Is that right? We did. Big, big life change. We sold the funeral home several years ago to a young man. He's not young, but we, anyone younger than us is young that worked for us. He wanted to buy it. We didn't know if we would ever get to sell it, that kind of thing. So Hunter um, became burned out. I guess from the business, it's, it's a hard business, especially when you are the mom and pop and the, or the pop and he burned out and he just relished the thought of selling the funeral home. And then we thought since we're not business owners there anymore, we'll move somewhere pretty and God laughed and we're in Midland, but pretty is where your husband is and your family is and your People are, I guess. Absolutely. So your son, um, Ethan, is there, right? And his wife, Taylor, is that Yes, right? both of our boys are down here. Oh. Um, it's, yeah, it's wonderful. Um, we see them on a monthly, probably, or more sometimes. And that already has just made my mama heart so happy. No grandbabies yet. One of these days, we'll get some. Deanna, you know, the person we have in common has a grandbaby, and I'm a little bit jealous. I'm sure. I'm sure. Absolutely. With kids the same age, you want grandkids the same age too. Yes. Uh -huh. Yeah. Well, let's, let's go back to that. Yeah. We did meet through Deanna, our mutual friend. So Deanna was my walking buddy when we lived in town um, and met her at church and you all met in Guymon, of course. Um, and then Deanna moved here to Lamar from, from Guymon. And, and we all cried. Yes. Yes. And so you and I have only got to meet twice so far. Deanna's dad, uh, Ted, passed away. And so we met at, at his funeral. And then we also got to help um, throw a shower for Deanna's daughter, Robin, a wedding shower. So just from those two things and hearing a lot about you over the years from Deanna, I know you're a kindred spirit. So, so. thank you. I want to be sisters. I listened to your podcast. I told you I'm not much of a podcast girl and maybe this will make me be one. But the sisters that you 
talked to a couple of weeks ago. Oh, can, can we all be sisters? I know we are sisters in Christ, but absolutely, I love those girls. Aren't they fun? You guys guys are kindred spirits too. That's the fun. You know, this whole podcast I was thinking about, I put so much pressure on our wedding to be like, so we got married 12 years ago this week. And I thought the wedding would be the place for all these people from all these different parts of my life and from different parts of the country and um, Mm, different faces, different ages. They would all converge for our wedding. And that was, I mean, pretty true. We had a lot of people there, but it didn't, you know, some people didn't make it. They had kids playing soccer games and life, right? Having Mm -hmm. and whatever. And so I finally figured out this last week, this podcast is my way to bring all that together. Oh, you're, that's neat. Together so everybody can get to, get, get to know each other because there are just some great people out there and we are not famous people. And uh, I think, you know, there needs to be some podcasts out there with, with us regulars. Um, uh-huh. Your stone soup. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, I think there's a lot of wisdom and there's a lot of fun and there's just a lot of goodness um that comes from the people here in middle america and i've got friends on the coast obviously and family too but um that's the focus is for this so it's kind of fun yes claim to fame speaking of famous people it made me think uh young man or he's boy he's you know two years younger than me from groover texas you know where that is Mm -hmm. wrote the song flyover state yeah any of those neat agriculture related songs that you would like. He has written a lot of those in Nashville. So different subject. I'm a little ADD. So no, that's great. Right. No, that's <laughs> great. Exactly right. A lot ADD, I think. These that's days. right. Well, what we came to talk to today um, was about grief, basically. And, and we've already touched on it a little bit that you and Hunter had a funeral home there in Guymon for 24 years. And so you have, um, met with a lot of families, and you've helped a lot of families kind of start the process of grieving um, and saying goodbye to the people that they love. And so I thought this was just an appropriate topic right now with coronavirus, because not only are, are people losing loved ones um, and friends to coronavirus, um, not as many locally here, you know, where we are in this part of the world, um, but people are still dying nonetheless um, from other causes. And that has complicated that process as well um, because people can't get together or not very many people for a funeral or a graveside service, you know, probably less than 10 people at a time. And our, our traditions um, of taking meals to people, of gathering around and having a funeral and having a meal all together after that with everyone there, those have all changed and there's so much um, that's going online with virtual funeral services and, and graveside only, those kind of things. Um, and so I just thought it would be an appropriate time to kind of walk through that a little bit. Um, so I guess, first of all, what got you into the funeral business, you and Hunter? Um, Hunter and I were in love and knew we wanted to spend our lives together. And his father kind of forced him into a professional occupation other than farming. Hunter thought he wanted to be a farmer. You'll laugh at this. And they just had a very small dry land operation. And you know that that is not a livelihood. And um, so Hunter's dad was a dentist. And he said, the only way you can do this, the way I grew up, call it a hobby farming or hobby whatever is you have to have a profession so hunter had a youth minister not a youth minister a youth volunteer that he was close to in his town at spearman and he liked bob bob was real he did a weird job but it's okay to be weird we all are and um hunter thought he could do it and he did do it and he did it very well it was just I don't think it was a calling, but it turned into our calling and our ministry. You know how God does that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and he jumped out of it and I have kind of stayed in it. In fact, I had the first little 
morning yesterday working for the funeral home here in Midland. So when economy crashed and everything fell apart, I thought, okay, I'm not going to get a fun little job like I wanted. I might as well go where other people won't go to apply. So there you go. That's right. And it takes a special personality and skill set to be able to do that um, and to, to be able to work with people who are going through grief. So, um, so what, what do you enjoy most about this whole world? Like what, what, what do you enjoy that we might not think about, you know, as a funeral home? Um, a lot of times you really get to know people on that next level. Um, I like that realness, even though it's a hard, very difficult realness. I like that. It has in my last more recent years turned into a way to share my faith and my beliefs. I like that about it. Um, and you know how I like, it's, I know it's cliche, but I like to help people and it is a true way to help people. So I don't know. I, I'm not mother Teresa in any way, shape or form, but it is a way that I can help people that other people aren't, can't, you know, how many people say I can't go there. And we were able to do that. And I don't know. Maybe that's what I like about it. That's great. Yes, exactly right. And what was some of the most challenging things? I mean, for me, a challenge would just be, you know, I can't mm. fathom the whole process of, of what yeah. you get ready for a funeral. But. The challenging on uh, business and tolerance level, the challenge has been the change in attitude, kind of, you know, we live, you know, where we live in the Bible belt and so can so often be the gracious people belt, the good and kind belt, I guess, but it's not always. And as our greatest generation diminishes, we just get more demanding and more expecting. And I, that, had been a challenge. Um, people come from Dallas and they're like, well, why can't we get those flowers in Guyman or Lamar? Or I want someone to sing that song well. And we're not going, well, we don't have one of those in our church or that kind of thing. That was a challenge to me. Mm -hmm. And always a challenge is when our good friends go through great pain and you do it with them mm -hmm. and that's oh that's tough you don't ever forget that you know right now my heart and my stomach go mushy and my eyes leak thinking of those challenges mm -hmm. that never go away it's just their beginning you know we help them do a small part of it but it is just their beginning of their forever grief. It's not just a four-day process. Absolutely. And everybody goes through it different. I, I listened to a podcast the other day and with Renee Brown, and I wish I could remember who she, she talked to, but basically, and you know, the five stages of grief and the lady that wrote that, he co-wrote a book with her. Um, but then he added a sixth stage of grief, grief, and it's about meaning, meaningfulness and purposefulness. Mm -hmm. Um, and that nobody goes through the stages, you know, uh, the same in order, right. And it's a continual process just over and over again, that it doesn't ever end really. And so we, we just, um, we want to see something start and finish and be done and move on. And that's just not the way that it is, it seems. So mm -hmm. well, Go ahead. what has been nice is in so many ways, friends that have lost people close to them will talk to me or can talk to me because they know it's not taboo or they don't run away. Or I, sometimes I ask the questions, I bring up 
their precious one that has been lost. And so many people don't do that and avoid it. And that has been something I think I'm comfortable doing. Absolutely. Because I think people, people do feel weird about how to, how to breach the subject, you know, but I think from, from what I've heard and read is that when somebody has lost someone, they still want you to talk about that person because that's how they live on. And so mm-hmm. do you to talk about um, the memories that you have of that person? Um, I think, yes, it's totally a, a really good thing. So with, with your service yesterday, well, you said you got, got back into it yesterday a little bit. How are things changing with coronavirus and funeral services? Well, you know, I'm in Texas, so things are a little different here. Um, there, yesterday, they had a regular kind of, kind of regular service. Had the graveside, came back, had a little memorial service. I didn't go in there as I wasn't a part of that part of it. It's a big funeral home that does a lot of, they have a lot of staff, so it's a spread out kind of thing, but I don't know how they were seated. I didn't see any of that. I don't know how strict they have to be on that, but there was a lot of hand sanitizer. Um, (laughs) That was just weird. And it's so funny because I don't know how many times you've been to the grocery store out and about, but it is sometimes, you know, you'll see a young millennial or whatever, and they are gloved up, masked up, not making eye contact even. And then you'll see a sweet 80 year old just out smiling at the grocery store and talking and, you know, not even having any caution and I it's so funny the different the different people you see and need to it's so hard to respect all those you know and to not make any of them feel badly for the way they're handling it so that I think that would be a big challenge in the business because everyone does it so differently you know one person would be mad that there were inhibitions forced on them and then the other person would be going, no, you know, we can't, we could never do that. So it's just such the spectrum is so much broader. I would think in these times of trying to serve people well. Absolutely true. You know, and I've been wearing a mask anytime we go out. We, we're home most of the time. You know, we've got enough food to last us for a while. And we are definitely trying not to get sick because we don't have much backup, you know. And right. Get worse. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Two weeks this time of year for a farmer is just the worst. It is. I know what season it is for you. Absolutely. And so we are just trying hard not to. So we have, um, obviously we have N95 masks for for leftover from harvest last year. Um, And so, you know, as you haul out grain and do all that, um, Jeremy is actually allergic to wheat dust and he's a wheat farmer. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. so we've got some of those um, that I think probably wouldn't have been in a sealed package for, for a hospital anyway. Um, but we have some cloth masks with a little charcoal filter. But you'll appreciate this. I feel like it's a muzzle. Oh. Because <laughs> I have these layers and people can hardly hear me, you know. And sometimes it's kind of fun because you can sneak into a grocery store and nobody knows who you are. Because this mask of mine, it covers my nose, my chin, like everything here. Uh-huh. And my hair's grown out and I have it in a bun. So people, you know, that kind of throws them off a little. And your curls, your beautiful curls are not exposed. There you go. But yesterday I was at Walmart and a, and a guy who I watched grow up since he was 10 years old, didn't know who I was. And I just said, hi. And he goes, well, hi, whoever you are, like no clue who I am. So it's so great. So you can kind of uh-huh. go incognito a little. Uh-huh. And, but it's, it's so it's nice fine. in a small town sometimes. It, it is. Done. It is. But I was also out in the parking lot at Walmart picking up some mulch because I'm doing some new beds in our yard. And um, I didn't have my mask on because I was outside. No one was around me. And um, someone comes up behind me and I didn't recognize who it was. And they get out of the car and it was a friend I haven't seen in a long time. And so we hugged and talked and and so everything will be fine. You know, I just, 
that's the challenge I think with funerals too, is that it's a time when people want to see you smile when they want to see your facial expressions and having that would be uh, difficult. And, and furthermore, you know, I just, it's, it's crazy because you expect to have a, the traditional way of doing things and people will never have that sense of closure like that at a funeral unless I don't know if people will call back people a year year and a half two years later to have a you know a a dinner or something to talk about I hope so and and I don't know if you've been this way in your life um sometimes when like one of my favorite church guys in Guyman passed away and, you know, you only have about 40 favorites, but he was one of my top five favorite. Don't tell the rest. <laughs> but he passed away um, at the very beginning of this. And he was an older man, but his family was there. He was so big in the church and the community. And it would have been one of those beautiful, um, big, loving, positive funerals and such a you know the the charges that the pastor would have given were so good you know to live like this man and to keep giving and don't stop even though you're old and tired and don't quit and it just made me so sad that I mean I think they even had to limit his family to go to the graveside some of them and then you do something like that and you forget it to me, if I don't go to someone's service or visit with their family or even, you know, you can write a card, but I even forget I do that, but you forget that they're gone. And I think that's going to be a hard time during this because to me, it takes action to remember something. And like you said, without the action and without helping with that church dinner or without going to that service and hearing about their lives, I hope we don't forget. And I know the Lord can fill all those things up that we think we have, our traditions have to fill up. But that's just something I've thought about. Absolutely. And this is when you realize traditions are important, you know, in, in all areas of life. And um, but especially these community traditions where we help each other through. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, everybody said it unprecedented, not you know, the new normal, all these things. Uh-huh. It is very different from any other crisis we've ever had during a war yeah. together at church and pray for people, you know, and so to be separated physically. Um, is probably more of a challenge than anyone thought it would be. You know, the first week I was fine. <laughs> was oh, cool. like, I, yeah. I was getting my closets cleaned out and doing all that. But a certain time reaches when it just becomes kind of an overload, you know, with, with me having kids at home to make sure they get their schoolwork done, which it's not totally getting done. I've let myself have a little bit of grace there. Um, good, good. I'm glad. Yeah. But you reach that point where I just kind of want to go do some retail therapy and should do all those things that um, for a while, who knows how much longer and how this will go, but it might, it's probably going to go longer than any of us ever thought or hoped. And since we're in a pandemic, obviously, Um, but somehow we have to figure, figure this out and zoom calls aren't totally the answer. They're, you know, we have a couple family calls we do with Jeremy's side of the family on Saturdays and my side of the family on Sundays, but I'm just zoomed out sometimes and I don't want to see my own face. I, I want to see somebody's, they say it's much harder to read someone's facial expressions through a video conference than in person. We have to work a lot harder. Our minds have to work a lot harder to get that done. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, just the freedom that we have, um, to gather together and see each other, we we just realize that um, that is a blessing, and so hopefully we'll appreciate that more and more. Um, that we can, you know, begin gathering with people someday and um, put this right. And on that subject, I know I'm sure you don't have your thoughts, but you know, all the people that are getting the shout outs and the medical teams and the 
all and the EMTs and all that, um, I can't imagine how hard it is and how scary it would have to be in a metroplex where they're having to deal with this pandemic in an you know, on the front lines and funeral directors are such a part of that. Um, Hunter was saying, he said, you know, at least when you would go to the hospital, you would know that that was what you were dealing with. Um, and those viruses live for a while, as you know, on, on gurneys, on all of those things. And you hear about these poor funeral directors who have to tell a family that they are not able to see their loved one, that they have to go straight to the crematory is what some states are making them do. And, oh, I just can't imagine. So that's another prayer we need to add to our long list to those that, you know, just are forced to do these things. They had no idea they would ever have to do. Plus forced with, a possible sickness when you're exposed that many times you know your chances just continue to go up we're worried about being exposed a handful of times that would be a day for those people absolutely because they say that yeah the viral load um does make an impact on how much you've been you know around it and so absolutely our our nurses our doctors our our uh, emts please mm -hmm women they're just in the thick of it grocery store workers I mean mm -hmm. you just get the, the grunt of it and so we're thankful post office workers post office I workers. the other day I told the guy thank you and he's like oh thank you but I can't imagine how exposed you are he had his little shield up you know but that's right you know and I, I read an article too about New York City and some of the funeral directors and just the the influx of um of people that are coming in um, and not having room for everyone and having to rent trucks and all of this gruesome, gruesome mm -hmm. things um, and having to get full PP, you know, protective gear on and mm -hmm. go do everything. Um, and a lot of people are dying at home too. But it's, right. We didn't know and factor in until recently have they really figured out. And I listened to something yesterday that said now I think in New York City, have people that are going do door to door just to check on people and kind of do, you know, wellness. Checks. Um, well, a lot of people die in New York city every day. So then you add that to uh, the extra percentage that it's causing. Oh, I just, I can't imagine, cannot imagine. Mm -hmm. And it's heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. so, you, I mean, we, we talk about this and it is, it's, it's sad, it's dark. Um, what did you offer hope to people when people came to you looking for hope when their loved ones passed away? What, how did you offer them hope? Well, the first thing as in that business, you just want to make the small details you can help with good. I don't know. I know that it's not shallow, but you want to make their tribute, their experience. You want to help that part of it, but always, um, our hope is always in the Lord. And so many people where we serve in diamond, you know, like I said, it's the Bible belt. They do have it. They have faith. Um, but there is never a time when our faith is more is when we are despondent and grieving and all that. And we all know we go through those phases where we're like, dang it, God, where are you? Why are you not here? And we know he's there, that we're the one that has moved away. But always hope is in our faith and our dependence on the Lord. I have had so many people say, how do you do that? How do you do it? I'm going, you know, it's not me. When I was young, I tried to do it and do it all and be all these things. But as I got older, it's just like, Lord, you're it for the strength. You're the peace. You're the words. Now those words I have a lot of trouble with. But let the Holy Spirit come out 
and you be the boss today. And it didn't very often happen that way, but that's what you try for. Mm -hmm. So our hope is in that this isn't it, but it's very much what we're dealing with right now is your life and your grief and where you are, but to always look toward the eternity and the best ever that we can ever imagine is what's out there. And that grief and dying and funeral business is that bridge of makes you realize what's important. Absolutely. There was a lot of weird phrases there, but I think, was, did it come out clear? No, absolutely. Um, you know, another aspect to, I know they, they talk about, you know, hospice workers, nurses, um, funeral directors, you all have to have a sense of humor too. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> which I think Mandatory. nailed. <laughs> Mandatory. Uh-huh. Because if you can't laugh, it would just be too much. Oh yeah. And, oh. and so how have you kind of instilled humor? Maybe you and Hunter have inside jokes. How does that work exactly in the funeral business? Oh, I mean, you, you do it with families. I, you know, when, oh, there's just been so many good stories and good memories. One of these days we'll write some books and we will, I'll write a book and I'll change all the names and to protect the innocent or the guilty. But there's so much humor in everything. And always, always, you know, even in the hardest times, you can't take yourself too seriously. But there's so many people that you have to be careful of because they don't crack up on things like we do. So it's been, that's hard. I'm sure I have offended and hurt so many feelings along my way. And just because, you know, that's my go-to is humor, nervous humor, real humor, all of it. So I'm sure that has not always fared well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, yeah, you have to know how to read people and, and it's hard. Uh -huh. My great grandma passed away when I was in grad school at the University of Florida. Mm -hmm. And, um, it came back for the funeral and it was around, you know, Halloween and she needed her hair dyed. You know, so she would have been, I don't, I don't even know. Purple or blue? Her 90s, yeah. So they got orange hair dye because it was on sale, you know, at Walmart after Halloween. <laughs> and so that's what oh. she had. And my uncle brought it back and there it was. So, you know, we didn't take ourselves too seriously there because uh -huh. she wasn't a serious person. She, um, she loved to have fun and laugh and tell stories with their hands. And um, it's just kind of fun what you can do. My, my grandpa passed away too, not long ago. And he always talked about just dig a, dig a hole six foot deep, throw me inside and then plant some cuckleburrs on top of me so I can perform <laughs> for eternity. So, you know, what, <laughs> for the funeral flowers, there were beautiful flowers. You know, my dad really a flower connoisseur, um, beautiful flowers, but they had some, devil's claws and all that there to the bad stuff to commemorate that uh -huh. always said and so to be able to, to laugh about that and uh it's just fun um to do that so i think those are the the healthiest funerals to me are are those where people have have hope they have faith they have great memories great humor and um, uh -huh. of course that's not everyone's life that's not everyone's story and no and um and that's tough and that's sad and so we're we're here to grieve with those people too but um let me tell you a great story that will make you laugh we bought the funeral home from these two fine gentlemen one of them was lloyd and he had a horribly ornery sense of humor he was a mess and he always would tell hunter my husband he would say, don't, I don't want everybody going out to the cemetery. I don't want a bunch of people. I don't want a long funeral. All these, I don't want, I don't want. And so I'll never forget when Hunter met with precious Norlene, his wife, 
about the funeral, he said, you know, Norlene, Lloyd always made me promise that no one would go out to the cemetery. And Norlene said, well, that was your promise. It wasn't mine. So, um, <laughs> so of course we had this, you know, first Lloyd said, no one comes to old people's funeral funerals because they're all, all their friends are dead. Well, all of Lloyd's family lived in our small town and the place was packed. And of course he was a funeral director and friends with all the preachers. So we had three or four preachers and it was way too long. That would have made Lloyd mad. Then we all get in line to go out to the cemetery and the funeral coach with the casket in it wouldn't start. We had to use jumper cables. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you, you call that a redneck funeral, right? <laughs> we had to use jumper cables to start the funeral coach. It was just the most horrifying thing as a funeral director. Cause you know, probably 300 people were watching Hunter jumper cables on the funeral thing. And we were horrified. I mean, it was just like <coughs> a bad thing. Well, all of his kids were out taking pictures because they thought it was hilarious. It was their favorite thing about the whole thing is that Lloyd had come back to bite Hunter in the butt for not doing what he said to do. <laughs> so what you think is a horrible thing was the family's that's what they still talk about. In fact, one of them posted a picture on Facebook not long ago. And I'm going, oh, poor Hunter was sweating. He probably had to throw that suit away <laughs> <laughs> while you were enjoying that. <laughs> oh, yes. That's uh, so there's so many ways to go about all of this. Uh-huh. Um, but the fun, fun things you remember. Yes. And we lost um, someone really special here locally, um, my high school coach not long ago. And it really helped me to sit down and write about her. And I started, I started to write about her. Um, she had cancer. Um, oh, I'm so sorry. That's hard. And, yeah. And so um, I started to write and I couldn't even go to sleep. Like I haven't, I don't know, in college, I don't even know if I pulled an all-nighter. But I did, um, when I thought about her and who we were losing, and that helped. Oh, I'm about ready to get teary. Well, of course, we're doing a podcast about funerals. Why like, are we not going to get teary? Here? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it, it helped me tremendously to process um, my own grief, which, you know, was, was much, I don't even know that you can judge grief in terms of whatever. She was beloved. Uh-huh. Yes. But Jeremy sent me something the other day that talked about how writing can really help you process your feelings um, through about anything. And I think that's true for me. It may not be true for all people. Um, but a lot of people do that when they, when they write a eulogy, when they write stories. Um, we had an open mic at my grandpa's funeral, which was quite funny. Um, he was a custom harvester. That's how my, my parents ended up here. They farmed in Oklahoma in Southwest Oklahoma by Lawton is where my mom and dad grew up at. Um, but they would come up here in the summers and cut wheat all the way North. Uh -huh. um, but they had a, a custom cutter that they worked for uh, who she showed up at the funeral. So when they asked for comments, he had some of the guys that used to work on his harvest crews tell funny stories about him. Um, but she said, you know, anytime um, the Shirlers were coming in, and so my maiden name is Shirler. So when my grandpa, my dad, the whole crew, my uncle, my aunts, my grandma, everybody, and then all the people that worked with them, when they came to town, they would just say, oh no, the Shirlers are in town. The circus has come to town. <laughs> officially here. And so that's, that's just funny, you know, it's, um, it's just a lot of activity and craziness and that's what that whole world was about, you know, so. Well, so you know, there's going to be action for the next weeks. If absolutely. There, it, things are busy and popping and <laughs> wild. So it's fun because you hear stories that you never heard before when you're able to have, you know, large funerals and people. Uh -huh and who you've never met and long lost family and friends. And there's just something so comforting about that, that I, that I hope that we can come up with some ways to help people who are going right, right now. And and I am not good at writing out things. I mean, with my hand, I am so much better on a keyboard. 
And, and I hate that because to me, sympathy cards, especially to our older generation need to be that. And it's probably wrong because if I would type it out and then mail a letter, that would be better. They could read it. My handwriting so bad, but it's so funny. You're right. Um, we had a pastor several years ago and he would go to the, especially if he didn't know the person to do the service, he would go to the funeral home website or follow the family on Facebook and try to get stories and get a glimpse into them to have as part of the service. And I always thought that was neat because, you know, he's like, I don't know him. You do. So you share. And that was a neat way I thought to honor and to get a glimpse of them. Absolutely. And I always think I'm going to be so good at sympathy cards and birthday cards and anniversary cards. I'm just not. And just because I care cards. Yeah. I'm, I stink at that. Stink at it. Every year I think I'm going to make a calendar and I'm going to follow it because we get cards from people and they're so thoughtful and so good. I want to be like them, but I think I'm going to have to be somebody who still keeps the calendar, but picks up a phone and calls someone. Yeah. Or even a text. I do that so often. Just thinking about you today. I know this is that anniversary. I didn't get the card off. I'm sorry. I did that this week. You know, right. Right. But people to remember when that was, and I, I need to have a better system of doing that. But even regardless, just right. to somebody up or text them if you, if they come to your heart and, and you think that it, you know, something encouragement that you could send them somehow, some way, um, I think that that's probably a nudge for us to do yes. that. Oh, it is. For sure. So whenever I did some research on you, on my sleuthing, on on the Guyman Funeral Home site, they had where you helped with a clothing ministry at your church. So what was that about in Guyman? Oh, I I didn't even know that was on there, you sleuther. Um, Oh, it was no big deal. Our church has always had a wonderful, um, I was a good Methodist, and we always had a clothing ministry. I had nothing to do with the nuts and bolts of it, but quarterly, probably the guy was searching for things to make me look nice. And maybe <laughs> I, I did that that week, but would go and work at that. But our church was has a wonderful clothing ministry that people clean out the closet, take it to the clothing ministry and they put it out. And on Tuesdays and Thursdays it's open or maybe just Thursday. See, that shows how much I would work about once a month or once a quarter, you know, poor women's groups and churches are getting so slim. So, you know, I worked more as the years went by, mm-hmm. but it's a neat thing. And then at the end of the season, those precious women would box it all up and send it down to Amarillo to that wonderful Evelyn rivers or, whatever occurring if somebody was going to Russia on a mission trip or something like that. So it was always a give, give type ministry and it's neat. And of course they used their money that they made for wonderful ministries too. So it was a neat thing. That is great. That's great. I know I've, you know, we have so much time at home now. I have gone through my closets and I found all the stuff I've ordered from a year ago, a year and a half ago that I never returned. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. It embarrassing. So I'm starting to give it away. Uh-huh. And so, you know, like in Lamar, we've got a place too where we can take um, donated clothes and things like that. And uh-huh. we'll use those because people need it now more than ever anyway. So maybe it was supposed to be this way um, where we start cleaning stuff out. So even books, we've gone through all the kids. Well, we've gone through Bryn's books and then we were able to donate that to the school or to whoever. And so I think uh-huh. it's a great time for us to reach out and we get meaning in that too, um, to feel like we're helping somehow, some way. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It, I, when we moved, I got so much joy. Um, people were like running from me, of course, because I was going, I want you to have this. And of course they didn't want it. <laughs> But it made me feel so much less um, selfish and hoardful. And is that a word? Hoardful? Hoardful. We've got it. Yeah. Yeah. I have put that in the Wikipedia. I will. 
but um, it made me feel so much better that I was somebody was getting some good out of it instead of me just being a glutton. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's right. And we've got a homeless um, ministry. Well, they have a homeless, um, I wouldn't call it a school, but it's kind of over by Lahana and uh-huh. they homeless people and they work with them for, I don't know, a year or two. And there's oh, neat. That pick them up on Sundays and do Bible studies at their homes. And it's just a neat thing. But when they're able to graduate from that program, um, I think it's the Lions Club in Lamar has a hotel room that um, a hotel is just donated for people to drop by donations anytime. So whenever people graduate from the program and get a home, they'll have things for their home. Oh, lamps and comforters and sheets. Yes. Oh, how wonderful. All of those things, you know, dishes and Uh Pyrex, whatever. And so I've got to drop some stuff by there too from cleaning things out. So there's always a place to go with things. And so maybe we all on Facebook, you know, should start sharing more of that if we know of things um, Uh to do. So, well, I feel like I've taken enough of your time, Bonnie. Is there anything else you wanted to cover? No, um, I know I think I didn't say at the first, what can we do to help people? First and foremost, you know, we need to pray. And we always say, oh, well, I'll pray. Like it's the last thing and the least thing we can do where we should be making casseroles and going and hugging their necks and doing those things that make us feel better. But if we pray for them, then the Lord manifests that into what they really need. Mm-hmm. that intercession does that. So that's something I've come to realize, you know, that's of course needs to be what we do first. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with that. Yes. And, um, and I also, I, I was just thinking about it a while ago. <laughs> I wrote a blog post. Oh, I don't know. A year or two ago, it's been rattling around in my head for a while. And I, and I had, dangerous place for all it was <laughs> it was a funeral questionnaire oh uh-huh. if you've seen it and I don't have it in front of me but um I thought it would be fun for families to go through you know like after after church lunch or something on Sunday uh-huh. whole family together and go through this and you know it just talked about um your, your you know, grandmother's maiden name and yes, all those things you know uh-huh. did you want us to mention your net worth in your obituary <laughs> how many acres they have in crp don't you exactly right uh-huh, yeah. want uh-huh. us to list every board and committee you were ever on is uh-huh. that important like what's true you know and it was supposed to be funny uh-huh. really get yep. down and there's been there. a few times that you know people will like throw their hall of fame and all these write-ups of them and they'll want me to do the obituary from that and i'll have it all spread out and you know, I think, okay, and they served on many agriculture and benevolent boards. You know, I'll do it that way. Right, right. And, oh, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> wrong. We want them all, and the vice president, and the years, and the um, board of directors, and, you know. But then the next one, who's probably worth, not that anyone's more worthy, but you know what I mean. Right, right, right. I would nope. play it that way, and they would, uh-oh, Felicia? No, no, you're still there. I just can't see. Okay, okay good. I would, I would go that direction, and then they'll go, no, oh, goodness, no, that is way too long. That is way whatever. Just put who the kids are and that he was a farmer. Right, <laughs> that exactly. Was, that he was president of the college or, you know, something like that. So you just get both. You do. And I think I had a little thing for, you know, how long do you want, do you want a slideshow and do you want it to be, you know, and what, what do you hate and what, what length you uh-huh. do you want it to be long or too long because uh-huh. it's too long, you know? Yeah. But then you can be like Lloyd Peterson and no one do what you say to do. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> because and I've told you, yeah, you'll do, have those pre-arrangements where people come in and I mean, they will have been so specific about this song, this song, these pallbearers, you know, all that. And, and I can remember saying, well, you know, what they, what they suggested. And I mean, they'll just veto it. Just like, nope, not it. Don't like them. 
I know they like them, but I didn't like them, and they're not going to be a pallbearer, you know, all those things. So <laughs> you get that. That's true, because a funeral is not really for the person who's passed. No, no. Not at all. It's for who's making the decisions, and sometimes there's way too many making the decisions. Absolutely. I had that as on my questionnaire, too. You know, like, are you paying for the funeral? Then you get a little bit more say. Are you not? Then <laughs> get ahead and sign your name at the bottom. Like, if you're not yes. paying you oh, get no control here. I wish you could have worked for me. <laughs> it may have not been taken very well. But I did send it to one of our local pastors and him and his wife thought it was pretty funny. So uh -huh. anyway, yes, that's good. what that is. <laughs> good. It could be an amendum to a prearranged um, yes. form. I like yes. That. I'll have to send that to you. So. Uh -huh. and I'll link to it maybe here. So, well, Bonnie, thank you so much for taking some time out today. And uh, it'd be fun to do another one of these down the road with you and Deanna both. Um, uh, it'd be fun. So we'll do that. Well, this is the sisterhood, the podcast yes. sisterhood, right? So, that's right. That's right. And I want to adopt those other girls too. Oh, they're great. You'll, you'll love them. You'll have to look them up when they're out in West Texas. So good. they're fun. Awesome. All right, Bonnie. Well, you have a great day. Thank you very much. You too. Thanks, Christy. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to my mom's podcast today. She had a lot of fun. If you want to read some of the crazy stuff my mom writes about our life on the farm, go to her blog at farmerist.com. Have a great day!